0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Uh, Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, because we moved further away from her last year, is Megan.
1: Hello, and how dare you?
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I think about it from time to time the way you've wronged me you should yeah yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) well i feel like (laughs) though we moved a few miles away we do have a nicer
2: setup for you to stay with us
1: it's true you literally have a guest room that um you've i feel like me and your dad (laughs) both have claimed to but i like that it's just set aside for you know i'll share it with another guest you know we don't ever (laughs) overlap on our visits so that's okay. true
0: i want a crack of the soda so let's do the elite beat top of the week you can say i get to start yeah oh man okay i feel unprepared all right so um today i have um a diet coca-cola um I don't know if it was canned in Atlanta, Georgia. I know that's where, like, Coca-Cola headquarters is. But I imagine they have, like, bottling plants all over the place at this point. But uh, anyway, it's a Diet Coke. Um, which means it doesn't have uh, any calories. Which is good. Because it has lots of caffeine. <laughs> um, that's that's basically all I know and about Diet Coke. Cracking, I should know more about something I drink so much of.
1: You're cracking into the caffeinated beverage at what is now 7 40 ish on a on a weeknight well
0: megan i had a little issue last night where okay. i did not fall asleep until almost 3 a.m oh, so okay. and you know then i worked and uh so i don't think it's gonna have a big impact on me
1: <laughs> that's fair that's fair
0: okay let's hear this big old crack from this
1: silver bullet
2: pretty good crack. It, it was rests.
1: extended. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was in two parts. Jenny?
2: Well, my pop this week was bottled in Respino, Italy. A what? Yes, it was. Seriously? Yes.
0: Does San Pellegrino actually come from like, do they actually bottle just it overseas? You buried my
1: lead. You, you... <laughs> you buried the yes. lead, Jenny. They <laughs> actually bottle it in Italy.
0: Wow. I had no idea.
1: Is this yeah. a is this a regular San Pellegrino, or do you are you rocking a flavor this week? Uh it's just a regular one. Okay, no, I'm. The hey, San no Pellegrino judgment. You flavors. Yes. Oh. I didn't
0: know that.
2: I think they're all in cans, though. This is a bottle.
0: Okay. Oh. Let's hear that fizz, fizz.
1: There was like no fizz but weird like little fart noises. Let's <laughs> try to open it. All right, Megan.
0: Uh
1: I don't have a sound, I have a box. So, um here it's slap it. Uh, slap it. I will I will say about my this is my fancy one, my Gratsy, and I love it. But this this shipment for whatever reason, they packaged it incorrectly and the nozzle was on the wrong side, so I had to open the top and and flip it around because I couldn't get the. You should have complained to have gotten a second shipment. I mean, there, <laughs> there's nothing structurally wrong with it. I just I flipped it around.
0: Not, Didn't you have you, to do that already this year once?
1: Well, no, they no. sent her white wine. No,
2: and, yeah, and I, they gave you sent you a new shipment, so I think you should have said,
1: "Hey, I can't get to the nozzle." <laughs> I think they would have been like, why don't you try opening the box, idiot? <laughs> no, I think they'd be like, this sounds like they have good customer service. I think you should get a free box of wine. They do. I do not want to disparage the name of Grazi Wine by saying, like, by highlighting the very small amount of uh, issues I've had because they've all been corrected in a very timely manner, um, and the wine is delicious. But yes, the first shipment, they sent me the wrong type, and they corrected it, and then told me to enjoy the other type too. And, uh, and then... Yeah, and then this time I just literally had to open the box and then flip the, the plastic bag around and nothing was really affected in any way. So, you know, I love them. They're delicious wines. They're worth the uh, $35 price tag per box. And I, I continue to stump them. I wish they would sponsor us. And I wish I had some sort of link to like give the listeners to somehow give me a credit. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> So, just go buy that Grazzi wine. It's it's delicious and it's, it's it's wonderful. Great customer service. Do you yes. want me to tag
0: them on Twitter when I post the episode?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Put it yeah. out there. Put it out there. I love them. Now, Megan, what red varietals do they have? Literally, they have white wine, red wine, and rosé wine. They're like oh, Italian okay. table wine. And so the red wine, I believe, is a Cabernet, because how do you mess a Cabernet? Um, and then the white wine is a Sauvignon Blanc, and the Rosé is a Rosé. I have not tried the Rosé. I am curious. I thought about in the summer getting it, but I was too late, and now it's cold-ish. It's October. Um, I'm into the, like, the, finally my red wine drinking is seasonally appropriate, I guess is what I'm <laughs> saying. So I'm going to stick with it. But maybe next summer I'll try it. Give it a shot. Yeah.
0: How do you spell them?
1: G R A T S I. Grazie. I'm sorry if I've offended any Italians with my pronunciation. I genuinely was trying to say it correctly. I um,
0: told you that's not that's not a thing. You can do you can you can do that impression until the cows come home.
1: <laughs> I wasn't doing like a Luigi Primo. I was I was trying to say grazie. Like, that felt so wrong. Oh, and you're <laughs> drinking it out of your wine cauldron. You know? We've season entered it into, into October. October, guys. It's it's spooky season, and I, I'm here for it.
0: Awesome. Well, you know what? Um, I was here for, as in here in this house. Uh oh. Was AEW Rampage when it uh, when it aired last week? That's not was,
1: live, but taped, right?
0: But you know what? I just realized we can't talk about that. We have to talk about. Stupid Andrade and stupid Sammy Guevara first.
1: <laughs> Fuck you, Sammy. That was a chant in the mi- main event of Dynamite. So I think it's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So last night, there was, a, there was a story on TMZ.
1: Oh, my God. I thought WWE wrestlers were the only ones that ran to TMZ. I mean, he is a
2: WWE wrestler, and he's married to a WWE wrestler.
1: Well, yeah, but it's like... Now you're an AEW, separate yourself.
0: <laughs> so, okay. I'm just gonna read this as it was as it was written. I don't know if it's been updated or or what, but um Okay. AEW stars Sammy Guevara and Andrade were just involved in a backstage altercation. Sources tell TMZ Sports, and Andrade has been sent home. We're told the incident happened backstage at an AEW Dynamite Show at the Entertainment and Sports, blah blah blah. Sources tell us words were exchanged, and when things turned physical, Sammy allegedly pushed Andrade and punches were thrown, according to our sources. It's unclear if anyone was hit. Our sources are adamant the altercation was not part of an AEW storyline. As for the reason for the fight, the guys had been in an intense beef that spilled over on social media. On Tuesday, the wrestlers went back and forth on Twitter. Our sources say several wrestlers are pissed at Sammy. For publicly airing personal slash private issues and things just boiled over at the arena, Andrade posted somewhat of a cryptic message on social media that said, respect me and I'll respect you. Uh, How is that
1: cryptic? (laughs) (laughs) We've
0: reached out to AEW for comments, but so far, no word back. Okay, so that was posted at 7.54 p.m. Eastern, so just a few minutes before Dynamite went on the air.
2: Now, it said sources in the plural, so do you think they talked to Charlotte and Andrade?
0: (laughs) I would love if they like they used Charlotte, who wasn't there, as a source for this story.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's you, kn- you know, she was getting text messages though. Come mm-hmm. on.
0: So, anyway, as we'll talk about, Andrade was so Andrade was supposed to wrestle Preston Vance on Friday, and he was wrestling him. It was a big match. It was like Andrade's AEW career versus Preston Vance's mask. Mm-hmm. That was. And I think they are playing on the idea that, that Andrade might want out of the company. Um, but I'm sure he was going to win the match uh, and get rid of Ten's mask. But anyway, so Tony Khan posted that that match is canceled. This is like right before Dynamite goes on the air. And instead, it'll be Death Triangle versus the Dark Order for the Trios Championships on Friday. And then, so we start watching Dynamite. And then all of a sudden, like we see the main event graphic and Sammy Guevara is still on it. It's like, wait a minute. (laughs) So Andrade got sent home, but this other guy, Sammy Guevara, who got in a fight with him, was not sent home. And people were like very upset online, as you can imagine. People were
1: upset in the arena.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what Brian Alvarez thinks happened is that Andrade immediately after this altercation contacted whoever his guy at TMZ is right and got his side of the story out there
2: obviously and saying that Sammy pushed him cuz that was said cuz Brian said the only one of his sources or Dave said that only one of his sources yeah had included the Sammy push which clearly would have been on then <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right, so yeah, so this morning on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez were talking about the story, as, as you might imagine. Um, and this is um, from Josh Nation's summary of it on the website. Um, okay, both uh, Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo were both warned by AEW management on Tuesday about not fighting or else they would be sent home. So, like, I think because of the back and forth on Twitter, they you know, like, people were... Like, okay, you guys need to chill it out when you see each other. Um, On Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez discussed everything they heard in the wake of Guevara and Andrade's skirmish Wednesday. Um, Meltzer said both men were talked to Tuesday and were told no fighting or else would both be sent home. In Andrade's case, he was told he would not be fired if he got into a fight. Both agreed and said there would be no issues.
2: That's a very specific thing to say.
0: Meltzer said he got five different accounts of what happened, three of which were identical, with a fourth pretty close to the other three. The consistent story is that Guevara did not throw any punches or fight back even after Andrade punched him, possibly a sucker punch, according to what Meltzer and Alvarez heard. One account had Andrade spinning Guevara around, Guevara then pushing him, and Andrade punching him. So I guess that was the almost identical one. Meltzer said he had heard Andrade was waiting in a hallway for Guevara and got two punches in before it was broken up. He noted that despite the punches, Guevara didn't have any marks on him for his main event match on Wednesday's Dynamite. While Andrade's side is what was originally reported by TMZ, both Meltzer and Alvarez noted that if Guevara threw the first punch and had indeed fought Andrade, he wouldn't have worked the main event with Chris Jericho against Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. Andrade was sent home and there is no word on what AEW plans to do with him now. It was noted that he is under contract for several more years, and there is speculation he would like to return to WWE, part of the reason for his behavior this week. Uh, so there has not really been any more reporting on this story that I've seen since the, since then.
1: So I did zero effort um, Googling on this, but like, do you have a summary of what the- the hell the beef was pre this fight because if it's just a matter of Andrade trying to get himself fired, I'm confused about what the existing beef qualified as. What was the Twitter beef?
0: Um, let me see if I can pull up their. I don't know if they deleted their tweets or
1: whatever. Oh gosh. Yeah, and if it's not easily summarized online somewhere, don't worry about it. I just was like when we sort of uh, texted about this prior to you know starting the show. Um, it sounded like the main thing seemed to be Andrade trying to get fired, but this Twitter beef has me like like okay. is he playing the long game? Like what? Are we-
0: so Andrade gave an interview to a um, I believe a Lucha magazine or a Lucha website, and it got, so it was in it was in uh, Spanish, but it kind of got translated back. And here's here's one of the quotes from it, because um, because it, it had already been kind of going on, like he and Sam, I, he and you were sniping. But anyway, um, he said, I had an issue with him because he once came to the locker room and complained that we hit him too hard. It's wrestling. Solve it in the ring. If I hit hard, hit me hard, too. I learned that he came in and that he accused me like a little girl. After I learned about it, I spoke to him and asked if he had an issue with me. But he said he did not. And that's all there was to it. It's funny because not even in WWE, for example, Sheamus likes to hit, and all my respect for him because he loves to hit hard and loves the strikes. He is wild. Even The Miz likes to throw strikes. Not even John Cena complained even
1: about me. Even The Miz. <laughs> not even
0: John Cena complained about me, so if he did not complain, imagine this kid who was just starting. But there's that.
2: I mean, Sam Guevara is not just starting. I mean, he's like almost 30 at this point.
0: Right. Okay, he said, so two days ago, um, he said, um, he said, I said it to your face if you had a problem with me and you said nothing, I won't beat your ass because I'm a professional. Don't be scared. When I say something, I name names, and I'm not scared to get fired. (laughs) So so I I believe, and I'll, I'll look at Sammy's Twitter page now, I believe Sammy kind of uh, did the little subtweet, you know?
1: Yeah, where it's like passive aggressive, like, subtweeting is so fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, he might have deleted his. Oh, no, 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 no. okay. Okay. Oh. He responded to the tweet. He said. You didn't say shit to me, you liar, but here's some truth, you ungrateful prick. You'd be jobless if it wasn't for your dad in law.
1: Oh, you Sammy.
0: Really mad at me or mad at yourself for failing to get over for a second time?
1: Wow. Okay, so they. Okay. So there's just actual, like, real fighting between them prior to, like, physical fighting
0: just go back to WWE like we all know you want to do and fuck off
1: and he kept that up he kept it up that's okay that's a choice that seems like a weird choice that Tony Khan may have maybe should have told him to like get rid of I don't know (laughs) hire HR Tony as a a sign in the crowd said hire HR (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah anyway um, so anyway yeah so what do we think like what do we think happened what do we what do we what do you guys think
1: um I'm willing to believe that they actually had like real beef prior but I mean the dramatic part of me wants to believe that also Andrada is trying to get fired which seems wild but like with the regime change in WWE not totally out of the realm, maybe.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I I initially
2: thought that the common denominator in a lot of the drama and some of these physical altercations is Sammy Guevara. So I initially was kinda
1: like Jenny, would you call him Sammy Dramara Dramara is I think the sign? I that think
0: was the sign, yeah.
1: Sure, totally
2: would. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Um, but now it kind of seems like yes, he might be someone that people get irritated with, but this specifically seems more like Andrade trying to get out of there.
0: If yeah. if it went down like like, you know, it's been reported, I am very impressed with him for his restraint. Um because but you know, he's also he also he was just he just got suspended, right? Or he or maybe he didn't get suspended, but he just the, got another altercation. The pie-facing.
1: So,
0: yeah, but Kingston did that to him. So maybe maybe it was just Eddie who got suspended. But anyway, so he knows that, you know, don't fight back. You know, <laughs> just let let the other guy get in trouble.
1: Yeah, and, like, Jenny, I fully agree with you that, like, it was completely not shocking to me that Sammy is involved in drama. Because he just seems like a young kid who doesn't make good decisions and has like kind of a temper, but I will agree with Andy as well that like kudos to him for showing restraint and not like if punches were thrown, knowing enough that he shouldn't fight back, you know, because he still got to be in the main event and Andrade went home.
0: So if you're Tony Khan and you have to make this decision now, do you fire Andrade? No. And set that precedent or do you pay him to sit at home for like four years
1: you pay him to sit at home I think we we covered on the last episode that like isn't that more torturous to quote unquote artists that these wrestlers are <laughs> than like just to straight up release them and give them money yeah I don't give him don't give him and Charlotte the
2: satisfaction and yes I'm lumping her in on this
1: Jenny it hates is, Charlotte.
0: <laughs> it is interesting, and, and I'm sure, you know, not at all coincidental, that the three people that we know of who have made noise about wanting to leave, which are Malachi Black, Buddy Robert, not Buddy Roberts, Buddy
2: Matthews,
0: Matthews, thank you, and uh, Andrade are all Triple H hires and all have partners in wwe
2: who's buddy matthew's partner
0: uh rhea ripley okay
1: yeah that That, is quite an interesting parallel for all of them
0: it makes me think that those are the people specifically that that triple h had either either reached out to or had somebody reach out to
1: like don't you like their partners yeah yeah
2: i mean if but if like you were hired on by Triple H, you had a great rapport with Triple H and he's now running the company and your spouse is there. Like, I mean, it's not just like a normal job where you go to work and you come home and you see your spouse. It's like a traveling job. Yeah. So you're apart from them for a little bit. I get it. I get why they'd want to like go back no, and I be to- with them.
0: I totally get it. I just think, you know, I it's it's just weird like th- nobody could have foreseen this this triple h thing happening this
1: year no and like i, I, I fully empathize think. with them but i think it's really unprofessional to try and start a physical fight with a co-worker to get fired. Oh, like i agree <laughs> i don't think that that's just because you know all of those conditions apply that rises to the occasion of I need to get fired by a physically assaulting a coworker. I, I think that's that there's a line that needs to be drawn. And who comes to that decision? Like how do, you, how do you jump to that conclusion? Like I don't I don't know. Like this is it makes it so dramatic in the sense of like, man, there's no way out except to beat up a coworker and hope to God <laughs> it gets me fired. Like have a mature conversation. I'm sure Tony Khan's not excited to release people and as we saw with malachi black apparently he's not exactly releasing people but i wouldn't leap to physical assault as like my first option
0: poor charlie
1: i'm so sorry she's
0: she's really she's really going through it over there she's
1: unhappy about being in her crate this is my new puppy welcome to this listeners and i'm so so sorry i'm trying last to week
2: treat. she just got to lay on a pillow
1: This week, she's like, I'm used to your home, and I'm about to wreck shit, and she has puppy energy, and that's where we're at, guys. So don't worry. She will wear herself out. She will lay in the cage. I gave her peanut butter. She's not being abused, listeners. She is a spoiled puppy, and this is the sound she's making. She is betraying me. She is punching me in the face to get fired at this point. (laughs) She will cry herself to sleep, though. Yeah, it's true. She's had plenty of exercise today. She just needs to let it go. Um, I take very good care of the dog. She's just being a little baby.
0: Well, uh, Jenny, do you think we ever see Andrade El Idolo in an AEW ring again? I do. Yeah? You think that they'll work this out?
2: No, I think Tony Khan will, like, force him to come back. And try it and then he'll have another tantrum and then he'll get out home tr- permanently.
0: Do you think there's like one more chapter? I think
2: this there's story. one more chapter to the story.
1: They Didn't Dave say his contract was for years at this point? Yeah. Like, there's no way they're going to pay out years worth of a contract. He has to come back, right? He has to. I
0: don't know. I mean, maybe like, it, it's like you don't want to let him go because then you've set a precedent. That like, hey, if you want to get out of your contract and go back to WWE, all you have to do is like, Sucker punch people. Punch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that seems bad.
0: Um, but you also, yeah, like, do you do you really want to just, do you, do you want him around the locker room?
1: No. Maybe you just call him in when you're local to him. <laughs> and, and you're yeah. like.
0: When you're in Orlando. Yeah, Yeah,
1: like sit on the couch until we swing through Florida and then you come back or like, I don't know.
0: Dress, dress at your home and then drive to the building.
1: (laughs) Yes, please don't show up to the locker room. Just wear your weird baseball pants and your black mask and then you can show up here. But years is a long time for a contract. I don't think Tony Khan's just going to. I don't think you can like you can't. Like you said, set that precedent things are too wild back in the backstage area as it is adding this to the mix seems like follow that person who held up the sign that said hire an HR expert Tony Khan," because (laughs) Mm -hmm. shit, shit is getting out of control and you need to establish some boundaries and some rules.
0: Well, if I tell you what, if the goal of reaching out to those people, because he had to know that they were all under contract if the mm-hmm. goal of reaching out to those people was to sow dissent and <laughs> cause chaos, oh God. In the locker room, I would say mission accomplished to Triple H. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? You know who's having a really good day, though? Jose, the assistant. He's taking this off, this burden on his shoulders. He's stepping up and he is leading the charge. So maybe this is his time to just take on leadership of whatever the hell andrade incorporated is at this point
0: yeah i mean like really roosh probably needs an interpreter even more than andrade did so much more so um yeah so jose i think jose is probably in good shape
1: yeah i mean roosh menaces people he he can get like very short like angry sentences out but i didn't realize roosh i don't i didn't know Roosh's like english level at this point i guess
0: I don't know for sure, but he seems, he seems to be less fluent than Andrade.
1: Yeah. and Which makes you know, sense,
0: because Andrade's lived in the U.S. for years.
1: Yeah, like, why would Roosh be fluent in English? But I just, uh, where Andrade fails, Jose, the assistant, gets more television time, and, and hey, you're a Roosh guy, so I think Roosh is the next competent sort of wrestler side of it. You know, Jose can speak, Roosh can fight.
0: Yes, I will miss Andrade. I think, like you, know, like I, I do not agree with the way he went about things this week. But, uh, but I, I really think he's a super talented guy who I enjoyed watching.
2: I enjoyed his uh, Darby Allen bits.
0: When he tried to buy a little boy.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in the ring he was awesome in his matches. You know, mm-hmm. and yes, the the Darby Allen human trafficking aspect was very funny for <laughs> what it was. Uh,
0: Maybe I, this I, hopefully like really means the end of the HFO, AFO thing.
1: Yeah, it seems like private party are not into it. I don't know. Matt Hardy showed up last week. I never
2: wanted to see him again.
1: Do you think Matt Hardy will... If he's doing his whole transformation, do you think he'll form... Like an HFO 2.0, but like faces?
0: This just just they should just go back to Hardy Party.
1: I agree. We don't need to expand it. But you yeah. know. Yeah.
0: Like, Because what are you gonna do? Are you gonna like take the Butcher and the Blade over to the babyface side with you? I don't think so.
1: I barely remember they exist. You know, at this p- sorry, Butcher and the Blade, like <laughs> But I did respect Max Caster rapping about how the Butcher's band broke up. I thought that was a good burn.
0: It <laughs> was a good burn. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, that does take us to AEW Rampage for uh, September 30th, 2022. And uh, Philadelphia is where we were at. And we opened with the acclaimed taking on the Butcher and the Blade and a private party and a triple threat match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles, um, Acclaimed, very popular.
1: Uh, Everybody loves the Acclaimed. I don't know if you heard. Everybody
0: loves the Acclaimed, as we would, you know, as would be reinforced again on uh, Dynamite, for sure. But, uh, yeah, this this was fun. And, uh, you know, obviously, the Acclaimed retain the tag team titles. Uh,
2: Why did the Butcher's uh, band break up?
0: they had a long run. I think it was just time bands bands just break up you know Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it's run its course uh we had lexi nair interviewing the gun club and stokely hathaway and uh and the the guns were it was weird it was like the guns club were making fun of all the different tag team titles that ftr hold and they would call them by the wrong names but then stokely would like it seemed like he was annoyed and he would like correct them and say the right name. So it was like, he had respect for these other titles while the guns didn't.
1: I think Stokely trying to run like a legit operation. And these yokels are like <laughs> bringing him down in that sense. Like, come on guys, you can have fun, but we are in fact threatening, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, we got a little backstage confrontation with, uh, Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill, which I was like, cool. That's, that's a new match. I think, Um, but then they went in a totally different direction on dynamite for Jade Cargill. So I don't know. I don't know if that Nyla thing is still happening or not.
1: Nyla and Jade have had to fight, right? I mean, Jade's at 38 people destroyed. Nyla has to be on that list.
0: Not necessarily. I mean, Nyla, Nyla's a heel. Jade's a heel.
1: I know, but she was running through the locker room. I thought that was her pitch. Like I've beaten everybody here. 38 people in the women's locker room sounds like a really high number. There's Dark matches, I think, think are on there. Before she was really touting her numbers, I think Jade built up uh, a lot of it on Dark.
0: Okay. Jade, back in September, on uh, the eighth ever AEW Rampage, Jade won a triple threat match over Nyla and Thunder Rosa. So, I don't know. So, that's the only time that they've...
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And I, I don't ve- know if I don't know if they uh, I don't know if Jade Pen Nyla in that one I don't remember.
1: I mostly would have been surprised if they had never crossed paths. I guess, like,
0: like you know. Hangman Page and John Moxley.
1: Somehow. Yeah, that's a wild stat, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Um. Again, uh, we go to the ring, and Lee Moriarty uh, crushes Del also. Lee no longer doing the. the the jumpy tiger dance on his way down to the ring. He's still got his his jumpy tiger music, but he's not dancing.
3: No.
0: Um but uh but yeah. And then uh W. Morrissey just whooped that ass afterwards. Looks like a real psycho.
1: He is a huge man.
0: Yes. Yes, he is. You can't teach that.
1: And you can't
0: teach that. <sighs> um then that's, this is where we get the, uh, the big challenge for Andrade and Ten for the mask versus career match, which is not happening. So <laughs> um, then uh, Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway show up and talk to Andrade about uh, contract tampering that Matt Hardy may be doing with Private Party, which I guess will probably be another drop storyline due to this Andrade suspension.
1: Well, I think Jose brought it up.
0: I guess that's true. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Next up, we got Jamie Hater versus Willow Nightingale. <gasps> this, Megan, is what I would call a mean gal's match.
1: Hell yeah. I was into this match. Loved it so much.
0: It was really good. Um, Hater gets the win with a, a big German suplex and then a, uh, a clothesline. But, uh, It was the start of like a really good week for willow nightingale shocking you know so you wouldn't think so coming off a loss but um it's like these these are also these are the two kind of homegrown you know uh women that seems like fans are really like kind of um organically getting behind right now
1: yeah i mean we'll get to it on dynamite but in the uh the match that the tag match that they're both in, like, or the trio. I can't remember how many women are in it. I think it's a tag match. It's Maybe a trios. It was, oh, it's a trios. Like, I think Willow, Jamie Hayter definitely got the biggest pop. But I think Willow also had, like, a a fairly decent, like, reaction. And, like, you, we've covered before, it's kind of, like, Willow is an unknown. She's largely on Dark and elevation, and the fact that people can get behind her so quickly is a cool, like, talent, I guess, on her part, or at least like, draw. I don't know. I like her <laughs> a lot. She's very fun to watch.
0: Absolutely. Um, and then in the main event, we got Rouge defeating John Silver of the Dark Order. John always shines in these these kinds of matches where he gets to be like the plucky underdog babyface and gets got to run wild a few times but the numbers game man the numbers game was against him and uh andrade interfered and uh, jose interfered and it was, it was very unfair and after the match hangman uh came down and uh t is giving rush the buckshot which sets up their match for dynamite which uh because that's the end of rampage that is what we are going to talk about now
1: hell yeah Let's go to Washington, D.C. to the Entertainment and Sports Arena, which I think is aptly named because of the main event. I mean, you get sports entertainers, you get sports wrestlers. (laughs) We'll get to it. They're (laughs) really ingenious about their naming
2: of things in Washington, D.C. Jenny, you know, they just want to.
3: The sports
1: entertaining. They just want to let you know what you're going to get. Right, I respect it. You know what? This is an entertainment and sports arena. Please expect to be entertained perhaps by sports. We did not allow
2: sponsorship.
1: Nope, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a key bank arena sort of deal. <laughs> <laughs> this is entertainment and sports only, please. so washington d c. It's the District of Columbia. It's a very little weird little spot, um, which is fun. So the show opens with Mjf versus Wheeler Yuta uh which this this is an interesting statistic it's been 129 days since MJF's last match i believe Excalibur is the one who tells us this um so that's that's a lot mjf has potentially ring rust but actually it turns out he doesn't he does really well in this match um he to get the win he reverses the seatbelt attempt by Wheeler Yuta into the salt of the earth and he gets Yuta to to tap out. But like the match itself, I thought was really good. Like MJF did his typical shitty heel thing where he takes advantage as much as possible. And when he can't take advantage of things, he tends to dodge to the outside and um, does a lot of posturing basically. So he's back. And I thought he did not display any ring rust at all. Thought he did well.
0: No, yeah, he looked great, and uh, so did Wheeler. They had that huge sequence in the middle where they did a million roll-up reversals, which oh, was like
2: not my favorite.
0: It was not Jenny's favorite. She thought it was too silly. I think, but uh, I thought it went on long enough that that like it kind of loops back around from silly to really impressive again, and then they had to like lay on the mat for a long time
1: and recover. I admit it can be corny, but I thought I liked that how they did the roll-up series and then they switched it to be this um, pile driver sort of tease and also, you know, like a bridge up, the the double guy bridge up. That's always impressive. And then they went back to rolling. So I was like, I, I was okay with it. I enjoyed
0: that yeah. part. Yeah, great match though.
1: Very, very good match. And cool um, angle afterwards. Yes, afterwards, Yuta... We've been told Yuda and Mjf have history together, and so Yuda kind of grabs MJF as he's walking away and turns him around and it looks like maybe they're gonna fight, but he offers his hand instead. and Mjf looks at it for a very long time and then he sort of he sort of slowly comes to consideration that yes, I should do this and then he uh he goes to take Yuda's hand and... Before he can, Lee Moriarty attacks. Um, he attacks Yuta. And MJF is like kind of weirdly initially mad about this. Like you wouldn't expect it. But he, he yells at Moriarty, I didn't tell you to do that. And Stokely Hathaway is there. So MJF is still sort of mad at Moriarty. And then Stokely's like, but wait, here's your dynamite diamond ring. And Moriarty holds or M- er, holds Yuta up. MJF slips on that ring, and he seems like he's going to go for it slowly. But then Regal, who was on commentary, he walks away from the commentary table. He stands at the top of the stage, and he makes a big show of getting out a, a set of brass knuckles that he slides on and then slowly walks to the ring. This causes Stokely and Lee Moriarty to definitely retreat. Um, MJF stands there looking kind of, like, worried. Um, when MJF finally meets Regal in the ring, like, he looks at him, and then he's just sort of like, no, that's okay, and he, he takes off. Um, because, obviously, it's William Regal. But, you know, there was that moment of almost respect from MJF, which you would not uh, expect from him, like, his character. And I thought that was kind of a nice touch, because... He did say, even though he's a heel, he did say Yuta was, a, he respected him as a wrestler, and they do have history. So, I, I kind of like that, like, nuanced aspect to it. And I also liked uh, Big Daddy Regal being like, don't fuck with my boy.
0: I wonder if we are going to see, because obviously, like, the money match is Moxley versus MJF.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I wonder if it's possible in the lead up to that, if we actually see somebody put their hands on Regal, like MJF, if MJF decks Regal.
1: Ooh, that would be a hell of a move on his part.
0: Crowd would not like that.
1: No, but it would be very dramatic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I like this angle. I mean, it seems like. I mean, I don't know if I trust MJF. But uh, no, but it seems like it's the it seems like we're planting seeds for a baby face turn here.
3: What? You
0: did you did you did you, did you not get that either, Megan?
1: I mean, I kind of, here? kind of. but I also understand Jenny's reaction because it's very hard to picture MJF as a baby face. Yeah, because he's so good at being a shitty heel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't see how he could possibly be a face.
1: But he, he turned on Stokely and not turned on, but he, you know, he actively was like, I did not ask you to come out here. And why are you out here?
2: And he didn't want to do the thing with the ring either.
1: Yeah. So I think you're right, Andy. It's just, it's really hard to picture MJF as anything but a shitty guy. I don't think it would work.
0: Oh, I think it would work huge.
1: Oh, it would work. Yeah. I think it'll be weird. If it happens, it'll be something to see. And I I can't... Yeah, it's weird. But I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks if that's where they go with it. Um, After that match, though, we get a quick video package that highlights Daniel Garcia's journey in AEW uh, where he started out by teaming with 2.0 and then, you know, we see where he gets a shout out uh, by Brian Danielson as a consideration for a member of the BCC. And then, you know, he joins the j s. And we see anarchy in the arena, which is like a whole thing. and uh, and then finally, Garcia, you know, the quote unquote, turning on Jericho that happened last week where he kind of, Became an upstart. But I don't know that I would say full turn on Jericho. The point is. We see where we're at with him. So that's you know. We got a main event coming up. But we'll see where that goes. Uh, And sort of speaking to that main event. We've got. Tony Schiavone. Talking to. The Jericho Appreciation Society backstage. Everyone except Anna JS is here. Um, Chris Jericho. And Sammy are going to team up against Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia in the main event tonight. And everyone in the JS here has a reason to be mad at Garcia. Jake Hager, uh, I guess, is tangentially mad at him because (laughs) Garcia rejected the bucket hat, the purple bucket hat, and threw it on the ground. And Hager's like, I love this hat. And he's wearing the hat. So I guess it's his now. I don't know. (laughs) That's his reason for being pissed. Um, Matt Menard is like, we brought you in, man. Like, what are you doing, Garcia? And Angelo Parker's like, yeah, that's true. And while Angelo Parker's talking about it, Matt Menard, like, screams from behind without the mic, like, you were like a son. It's all very dramatic, uh, their relationship. And then Jericho is like, Garcia, you're a rebellious, petulant child, and the J.S. taught you everything you know. everything you know, and you better make the right decision tonight. And I was like... Kind of confused about whether there was a decision. Because they're literally fighting each other. And I feel like Garcia has made his decision. But maybe I just misread that. Um, Jericho acts like there's still time. I feel like there's already been a final decision. Right? That's... Yeah. So we'll 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 get to that main event. But that's what's going on with them as they prepare mentally. Um, the next match up... Is uh Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen? Um, these two both kind of, I want to say loosely agreed to this being a one- on one match with no help from either of their you know teams. Um,
0: well jay was Jay was pretty forthright about it um, last week when they were setting this up. He, he you know, they had a little vignette where he told his guys not to come out there. I didn't think he was serious though.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's sort of what I was getting at. Is like it's not like a contractually obligated, you know, no one at ringside, but they both sort of separately were like, yes, we'll do this,
3: yeah.
1: Um, and Jay surprisingly tried to keep his word. Uh Satnam and Sanjay did walk out at, at near the end, and Jay very quickly stopped and was like, go back. You need to go back. And he tried to make them leave. They did not. uh, And that distraction actually led to the end of the match because Jay was distracted and Darby got the pin on him by doing the last supper. Um, So did not work to his advantage, those two being there. And he clearly didn't want them there. But the match itself, pretty good.
0: So, you know, in the last the last month we've had the star wrestler of the company cutting a promo on other wrestlers at a, at a, at a, press conference, we've had officers of the company going and fighting said star wrestler. We've had, we've had wrestlers beefing on Twitter and then carrying it over into backstage and in real life. We've had like things, things are going crazy in AEW land this past mm-hmm. month. I think that's safe to say. Yep. However, The thing that I'm most appalled by is that Tony Khan is apparently unable to pay enough attention to the first two matches of his weekly highly rated cable television show and not realize that they are telling the exact same story, including uh, an extended roll up sequence and like a big deal made over a handshake at the end.
1: Yeah.
0: Quality control, man.
1: I just remember back to when Cody was in the company and he, I think it was, uh, it might've been on the AEW podcast itself where he was like, look, we end up doing a lot of, we don't really talk about them like among each other, the matches and then that results in a lot of people doing the same things.
0: Yeah. I remember that too. Still happening. They have not fixed that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, the match was good, but you're right. The The same st- story is told. Uh, at the end, Darby like, steps in between Jay and Satnam and Sanjay on the ramp, and he says, you know, like, you don't need these guys. And then he extends his hand, and he does need to, like, sort of push... <laughs> Jay, like, l- physically, literally push him a little bit to get him, his attention on him, and then Jay is like, you're right, and he shakes his hand. And I guess Jay Lethal is now a babyface? I don't know. Is he breaking up with his team? What 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 is going to happen to Satnam, Andy? That's the real question, I think, here.
0: Dude, that's what I'm concerned about.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. And also, the mention of Satnam Singh as, like, a giant... Makes me uh, realize I forgot a very important note I had from the first match. And that was that dark results were scrolling on the bottom of the screen. (laughs) Uh And it's so important that we know Lance Archer defeated someone called Cheeseburger on Dark.
0: You don't know about Cheeseburger?
1: I don't, but I feel like... Lance, this is where you're at.
0: Ring of Honor Legend Cheeseburger? You're not aware? (laughs) I am not. Jushin Thunder Liger's favorite wrestler, Cheeseburger.
1: Oh gosh! Oh, all right. I mean, was I wrong to interpret this as like, "Hey Lance, you could be doing better"?
0: <laughs> no, I mean Lance should be on TV, um, but uh, but like Cheeseburger is like is a name character from Ring of Honor.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Far be it for me to to uh, make fun of a man named Cheeseburger, but yeah. So anyway, we leave that match with kind of the same feeling as the first match, I guess. Um, But that leads into a promo from Ring of Honor Faction The Embassy, which is Brian Cage, Prince Nana, and uh, the Agony? Gates of Agony?
0: The Gates of Agony.
1: The Gates of Agony, a tag team. I don't know the individual members' names. I just know they're a tag team. Um, And they're ROH-focused at this point. Whatever that means. But relevant to tonight, Brian Cage is coming after Wardlow for that TNT championship.
0: It's uh, Toa, Leona, and Con? K A U N.
1: K A U N. Yeah, that's how I that's how I would pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Has it been about a
2: year and a half since we've seen Brian Cage on Dynamite?
1: More. You think more? Maybe like two? I would estimate more. Yeah, I would go maybe I don't have a sense of time. I'll but, do
0: that. I'll do that research.
1: Yeah, it seems like he's gone been gone forever. But he's back now, Jenny. I don't know if you missed him, but he's back. And he's here to fight Wardlow. And that's the next match because after this promo it's like let's get into it. Brian Cage versus Wardlow. Big old men slapping meats is what this match is. Um <laughs> Andy Sep- likes
0: it. September 1st, 2021, he was defeated by Powerhouse Hobbs on Dynamite.
2: Okay, so just over a year.
0: Yeah.
1: Feels like more.
0: This th- Okay, so yeah, so yes, in some ways this was uh, big meaty men slapping meat. But it was also like two giant dudes trying to have a lucha match too, which is also very fun
1: it is it is and uh one fun aspect of this is the crowd was very very firm on the fact that they love wardlow and hate brian cage so <laughs> wardlow would do something agile and they'd be like yeah and then brian cage would do something agile and they'd be like fuck you <laughs> it was just like all right they're both hey, you're putting putting on a show guys calm down um
0: this was um, this was actually my favorite match of the night. I believe that. Yeah, because it was just like, his you know we've seen War, uh, Wardlow do his his uh, his you know her and Gerona before, but um, it's still nice to see.
2: And Man, J- he. Jenny I get he so was, nervous every time.
0: Jenny, Jenny thought somebody was gonna die. Um, he also did like this crazy like Jeff Hardy, like prime Jeff Hardy dive off the top rope like a flipping twisting. What yeah. Jeff calls the whisper in the wind.
1: Yeah, Jeff's just a whisper of a dude whereas Wortho's like
0: He's a full throated shout.
1: Yep. (laughs) He's a big old boy um, doing that move. It was very impressive. I will give him that. Very impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really I really like this match a lot. Uh, And hopefully, you know, I mean I there's no need for Brian Cage to disappear for another year. (laughs) He's really he's actually really talented.
1: I was kinda surprised when he went away the you know, the first time around, because I th- and then the fact that he was surprised that Tony Khan re-signed him um, right. said a lot where it's like, well, you weren't being used. So, yeah, I
0: you've got to think it, the way this thing is going. Do you think that Tony Khan thought that he would have some kind of broadcasting deal for Ring of Honor by now?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'd have to agree. He's he's got so much Ring of Honor specifics like. People that now it, this show felt like it was like, "Hey, remember Ring of Honor because we're bringing them back over here. They're doing stuff. Ring of Honor is so important.
0: I believe for some reason, somebody decided it was this is worth keeping track of. I think it was somebody on the PW Insider website um, determined that uh, Ring of Honor was said more times last night than aew. <laughs>
1: I I kind of believe it I was a little so like midway through I started to think what is is there something Ring of Honor related coming up is there a reason that we're hammering this really hard
0: I don't I mean I don't think they're going to have a pay-per-view before I think they're going to have a pay-per-view in December because that's kind of like traditionally final battle uh, time for Ring of Honor but so it's October now so I can't imagine that we're going to have something before that you know
1: has that even been announced, or are you going off no, historically? It has oh, okay.
0: not been announced. Um, but I would expect it, because apparently um War Bros. Discovery is happy with the the way that the Ring of Honor pay-per-views have sold on their, you know, on their uh, Bleacher Report platform. So they want they want them to keep running them. Okay not enough to give them a television show yet i guess but, it's, but <laughs> i was gonna happy. say yeah.
1: where's the deal where's the streaming deal if nothing yeah. else all right well these i mean this was a ring of honor faction essentially yeah. going up against wardlow and wardlow won obviously like he kept the tnt title he did the powerbomb symphony on that very large man brian cage mm-hmm. um but we saw prince nana was ringside, And then after the match was over, the rest of the embassy ran out and started beating up Wardlow. So we got to see all of them. And Samoa Joe runs out to help Wardlow, but they're still outnumbered. And then that's when FTR joined the mix. And they yeah. they chase everyone out of the ring. But then the Gates of Agony get back on the apron, and they have a stare down. And FTR seems ready to go. And Prince Nana's like, hmm. I don't think that's the time guys and he tries to pull them away but bringing FTR into it makes it seem very official
0: well and then of course you know tomorrow night uh, Friday uh, tonight if you're listening to this um, on Friday uh, (laughs) is Battle of the Belts and uh, the Gates of Agony are challenging FTR for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles
2: and the Elite Beat
0: yep and uh, and we will and we, are, we cover are
1: challenging.
0: <laughs> all that. We will cover all that. Of course, because we always cover the specials.
1: Yeah. And Battle of the Belt, how special is it really? But we'll cover it because that's our job. Yep. So yeah. Um so that happened. We'll see how FTR and uh, the Gates of Agni go. I don't think I've seen the Gates of Agni fight or even exist up to this point so should be interesting um but for now we go to a i want to promo that i guess was one of those earlier in the days where Britt baker is talking and she says you know i'm the face of the women's division and she brings up her role model uh gimmick that i don't think she's spoken about in a really long time so she's both the face of the division as well as a role model. And she says that the doctors have not cleared Soraya. So she will not be wrestling. Um, I don't know where she got that info, but that's what she's going with. And she says, because of this, AEW remains uh quote Brit's house. <laughs> it's a lot of people's houses. If you go off this one single show, I have to say,
0: it really is.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, with that being said, uh, you know, Brit, that's Brit's, Sort of stance on things. We go to the women's trios match. Where Penelope Ford, Serena Deeb, and Jamie Hayter. Take on Willow Nightingale, Athena, and Tony Storm. Um, to get to the end. Willow Nightingale is the one who gets to pin Penelope Ford. Which I think is so great. And, and so good for her. But like this match. I thought it was pretty fun. And Jamie Hader got a big pop from the crowd. Serena Deeb is from Virginia. So she also got like a decent reaction. Um, But like all in all, like these ladies did really good. And my main complaint was going to be not enough Willow Nightingale. And then Willow got the pin. So (laughs) felt like
2: I think my, My favorite part about this was just like them all interacting as they were getting ready for the match. And like, they're all, like, smiling at each other and kind of, like, having, like, little, like, on both sides. Like, Serena smiled at
1: um, Penelope. Jamie or Penelope, okay.
2: I think, yeah, while Jamie was, like, coming out and, like, um, I think when Tony was doing her, like, thing when she got in the ring, she almost, like, ran into Willow.
1: And then, like, they kind of, mm.
2: like, like, laughed about it. It was just, like, I don't know. It seemed like fun, good energy. Like, people were having fun out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate that, Jenny. I think that was a good observation because even like like bad bad ladies and good ladies, they were both uh, in it together, and that was just really really fun.
0: So Willow's been around uh, since um, April twenty second of twenty twenty one when she made her AEW debut, losing to Thunder Rosa on an episode of uh, Dark Elevation, mm-hmm. and then. You know, so she's just kind of been around a, a bit every now and then since then, and, and pretty consistently since July or since no, since June. So pretty consistently since June of this year. Um, but this was the first time that she pinned like a rock, you know, somebody on like the roster because all of her other victories have been over like Harley Cameron, Robin Renegade, <laughs> uh, you know. Gia scott like people you know on, on darker elevation <laughs> yeah so, yeah i you know i i hope they i hope they actually follow this up with you know i mean i don't expect her to be jade cargill tomorrow but i don't know that i'd be totally against it if that's the if that's the way that they went
2: you'd really be okay with jade losing to Willow?
0: No, I guess not. I don't want Jade to lose on two days' notice.
2: Yeah. Her first match. You're right, yeah.
0: But, like, I, I think that AEW sometimes has a trouble with, like, stop-and-start pushes. hmm Noticed mm-hmm. that, you know, you, like, somebody will get a win, and then they'll just disappear for three weeks. And then, you know, like, uh, so I don't want that to happen to Willow Nightingale now that the push has begun. Even, even though she does probably have to lose to Jade Cargo, I hope that there is still follow-up after that.
1: Yeah, I hope, like, I I did not expect her to win, you know, but I do hope she gets a nice competitive, decent time time timed match, you know? I think that's the best way to sort of showcase that. Jade Cargill, at this point, it's been built up so much. I honestly, (laughs) I'm starting to wonder who they're going to have beat her or if they even have a plan or they're just going to be like, well, we'll keep it riding. Like, we'll ride it out until we get... Some super big name. Oh, that's a whole separate thing. But Willow Nightingale rolls. I hope she does well. Totally. Um, after the match, Soraya joins the victorious good, good team. You know the the face team, and Brid jumps in the ring for some reason and starts to get in her face and. Just to show Brit, she's totally wrong about her assessment, um, Soraya starts attacking her, punching her, and then tosses her out of the ring. So she, she is getting physical. Um, this causes chaos to ensue, uh, which, you know, how the chaos is. Eventually, it's just Soraya in the ring, and the rebel somehow <laughs> stumbles in, and uh, Soraya kicks her in the face for her trouble, and that's how it ends the segment and the crowd is like super into that. Um, good for Soraya, but you know, she wasn't quite wrestling, but she was physical. So I don't know what this means long term.
2: Yeah, do do we think this is the level of Soraya's like physical involvement, or do you think we're actually going to get like a singles match for her?
0: I, I mean, they were, you know, they were grappling. You know, I mean, I feel I feel like if you're cleared, you're cleared, because um, you know, you don't you don't want to take risks with doing any kind of physical angle if you're not clear. You know what I mean? Like, so this mm-hmm. this indicated to me that she can wrestle and that we are building to that. And I would I would save it for for the pay per view and do Britt Baker versus Soraya there.
2: Well, good because I feel like. Her whole attitude of, like, I'm going to revolutionize the women's division here, like, was just a bunch of, like, bullshit if she's not actually going to be part of it, you know? Okay. She
1: had them do a lumberjack match, Jenny. Come on.
2: Yeah, she had them do a lumberjack match, then she ran away, and she, like, messed up her... I don't know, like, her promo this week was better, but it was still kind of, like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I... I'm all in on it yet. I want to see. I want to see some action.
1: Yeah, me too. And again, I I just mostly am. I these wrestlers and their wrestle lies. It's like, are you cleared? Because I'm really concerned about that. Bas, please don't you know break your neck for this. If if that sure. I just want it to be safe. If she shows like starts actually doing matches, which I'm sure she'll have to be because, you know, mega parec, uh legal team extraordinaire would not let <laughs> let that sort of liability occur. But, you know, it's just worrisome. We'll see, though. Um, she, she got physical in a way that I didn't think like Andy, you take that to me and she's going to wrestle. I I was like the level that she got physical she didn't take bumps she literally fake punched Britt you know and I feel like you know you don't need to be mandal glue clear to do that necessarily but we'll see okay Megan
2: I was more with you of like I don't know that this indicates much I was hoping it would but I didn't know
3: okay
1: yeah I mean I hope I hope but I also want her to be safe but we'll see Uh, regardless I agree it should be on a pay-per-view if it happens um, But, yeah, next up we get back to that Sammy Andrade drama sort of thing we talked about. Uh, earlier in the day, Tony Schiavone talked to Roosh, Jose the assistant in Private Party. Presumably Andrade should have been here. He was not. Um, Jose says he's called this whole group together basically to chastise Private Party for not showing up lately. And then he like gets on his uh, iPad and is like, let me show you specific clips of when you did not uh, appear. And so one was last week on Rampage. A private party were not there for Roosh when Hangman attacked him. They did not come to help out their boy. And then the second clip was like two weeks ago on Rampage. It's not that they didn't help Roosh. They just didn't help attack Hangman. Um, on Rampage, which, you know, that's just mean, but whatever. Uh, So Jose's like, look, Private Party, if you don't do the right thing tonight, uh, we'll take you to court. And then he does drop the bomb. Like, I know you've been talking to Matt Hardy, and you gotta stop doing that. So. Threatening legal action. That's a Mark Sterling move, which I did not expect from Jose, the assistant. I kind of thought they would settle things, like, physically. You know?
0: Torturous Interference.
1: <laughs> yes. So, watch out for that. um After that, we get guys. It's fucking National Scissoring Day, or it was. Oh yesterday.
2: my gosh! Was this an event, or was it an event?
1: It's a goddamn event. The crowd was here for it. The ring, it's decorated with balloons. There's a podium set up in the center of it. It's Washington, D.C., so there has to be a political sort of angle to this. But you know what? I didn't hate it. Um, Anthony Bowen steps up to the podium, and he he drops some, you know, stats. He says, the acclaimed are the most winningest team in AEW history, which I believe because they were kind of there almost from the beginning. So statistically speaking, that's probably correct. Um, he makes the claim that they're the best homegrown team in AEW history and I do think that's probably a fair assessment uh, and something that's provable the scissor me daddy ass t-shirts are now the number one selling t-shirt in 2022
0: it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty awesome
1: it is uh, and you know no shade to them but that shirt is not the coolest looking shirt <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I think credit to them. um You're going to offend Andy. He really wants one. (laughs) Well, you don't like olive shirts. I mean, I think that Cody shirt's cool, but you hate it. Oh my gosh, worst shirt ever. (laughs) Well, if he supports the Scissor Me Daddy ass t-shirt, he's just helping them climb further and further into the record zone of 2022. So I I support that part of it. Uh, And we find out a little later that National Scissor Day was trending all day long on Twitter, which, my God. How can you do better? Um, So because of all this, Bowens says AEW now stands for Acclaimed Every Wednesday, which is fair. Uh, And then he also says, look, I I have some experience with scissoring. I am the Sultan of scissor. And the crowd loves it. And then Bowens is like, but let me tell you what scissoring is. And lest we get into like, you know, double entendres, he just says, it's a sign of friendship, something you want to do. Uh, he then turns his attention to Keith Lee and uh, Sneaky, Swerve, who are not a homegrown team. They were just thrown together. Uh, just sick burn, mean, dude. So
2: were the Acclaimed.
1: <laughs> They're no, the Acclaimed Andy. are
2: always a tag team. Keith and Swerve do things on their own.
0: Hmm. Okay. I'm just saying, like, initially Tony Connell Con literally threw the Acclaimed together.
2: Yeah, but we didn't see them until they were together.
0: I think... I think we'd seen. I, th- I think they'd both done Dark
2: that doesn't separately. Matter. That doesn't count.
0: Okay. So we'd
1: not seen it.
2: We had not seen them together until they were. We had not seen them separate until we saw them
1: together.
0: I used to watch Dark.
1: I you did didn't before watch the, Dark when you would have seen them. The pandemic era. All right. And it got out of control. Uh, so yeah, he he makes that sort of accusation, and I think this is all just part of the political like satire aspect of it because you know sneaky swerve and then he sort of goes on like a little bit of a rant that i didn't write down much about it but like it had the tone of like this is a political speech only it's directed at a wrestling team um billy gunn steps in though and he stops him and he says like i've got some news for you guys good news he apparently has stopped at city hall because he's important And he was asked by City Hall to deliver a little something to the acclaimed. And what that something is, is uh, the giant gold scissors that are used to cut ribbons in the city, Um, which they love. I think it's Bowen's that runs around holding the scissors and Billy Gunn's like, whoa, 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 don't run with scissors. That was a fun little thing. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, Caster gets on the mic and he says, hey, everybody, can we come together? Can you please turn to your neighbor and offer a sign of peace by scissoring them, which is very reminiscent of Catholic mass? I, mm-hmm. I know Jenny, you've been there. Andy, I don't think you you necessarily did that. But, man, brought back weird flashbacks. Um, no scissoring, just handshakes for peace. Uh, <laughs> and then Caster steps up and is like, let me talk about the greatness Uh, As we bring National Scissoring Day Day to an end, he references his dad, who helped Washington win the Super Bowl 40 years ago. Um, And then he tries to lead the crowd in the first ever bipartisan scissoring. Um, He says there's no red, there's no blue, just pink tonight, because the acclaimed were pink, and everybody looks good in pink, and the crowd goes wild.
0: Isn't pink, red, and blue together?
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. And actually, right now, until the 11th, you can buy a hot pink variant of the Scissor Me Daddy t-shirt. But Oh,
2: uh, shit.
0: Because typically it's only available in the black.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you just buy it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's fun. Uh, I enjoyed this, if only because I felt like there was... <laughs> Max Caster sort of tried to, like... Go to a place where people would complain, like please keep your politics out of wrestling. But it was like, hey, we're in Washington D.C. The nation's kind of fucked up, um, and to solve that, we will buy potter's and sciss- scissor, which you know isn't a real way to solve things, but it's like.
0: Uh, Do we know that?
1: <sighs> I guess we don't.
0: I, I mean, look to your look to your left. Let's look to your right. Scissor your neighbor. <laughs>
1: it's True. There was a lot of love in that crowd. Yeah. Until. Swerve.
0: Sneaky swerve.
1: Sneaky swerve interrupted the scissoring, and the crowd was enraged. um He called the whole thing stupid. The crowd hated that. They were so pissed. They're like, no, this is the best thing ever. And then <laughs> Swerve is like, Billy Gunn, we're going to have a match in Toronto, and the acclaimed better not interfere. And, uh, Later, Billy Gunn accepts this match, although I didn't think it was much of a question. It seemed like a statement. So that's going to happen. Swerve also randomly has this, I assume, fake, big, giant-ass rock in his hand that he says, he he holds up and he goes, rock beats scissors. And it's like, <laughs> what an interesting quip you've done there. It could not get any cornier. And then Mark Sterling rushes I out.
2: thought Mark's was funny.
1: He, well, he rushes out with papers in his hand and he says, paper beats rock. <laughs> so we've got a whole dynamic here. Um, Sterling's got these papers and he's like, hey, you need me to beat Swerve. You need me to represent you, which is an interesting claim because I don't think that's true. But he's like, come on, come on, guys, sign these papers. And then he also says, like, Billy Gunn, and why don't you go ahead and scissor me? Like, we're gonna do this unison thing, and instead um, they just Billy Gunn and the Acclaim beat him up. And after they've beaten up Mark Sterling and Swerve is kind of just dejected over on the stage, they finally get to do their bipartisan scissoring to end the segment. <laughs> Happy National Scissoring Day, guys.
0: Thanks. Belated, but thank you. Oh. Um, this is great. Uh, they should do this every year, much like much like once a year, they should have Action Bronson uh, <laughs> come out of the come out of the New York wilderness to team up with Hook. They should do, yeah. definitely. They should definitely do uh, National Scissoring Day every week.
2: Now, guys, I have a question. Not every week. Every year. What's your question, Jenny? Was it actually
1: National Scissor Day? I can't imagine. Do you think President Biden was like? I decree. Well, no. No,
2: not like that. But, like, you know how, like, every day is a national something day? I think you can just pay something to, like, do that. Like, I I know, like, on Vanderpump, like, Stassi, like, paid to have there be a national outfit of the day. Maybe she didn't pay it. Maybe she just made it and posted it. Sure. I, th- but I, I think you just can just declare. If they were, like, piggybacking off of, like, actually a, like... None of these are real holidays, but like, you know, it's saying National Scissor Day.
0: Okay, well, let me, let me, I, I'm consulting uh, with uh, nationaldaycalendar.com, which keeps track of all this. <laughs> so these are the things that it was the national day of yesterday National Apple Betty Day, National Do Something Nice Day, which could be scissoring. Yeah. <laughs> National Get Funky Day, which could also be scissoring. National Rhode Island Day. World Teachers Day. National Walk to School Day. Okay. National Pumpkin Seed Day. Okay. And finally, and worst of all, National Coffee with a Cop Day.
1: <laughs> wow. What? <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> On the first Wednesday in October, National Coffee with a Cop Day brings men and women in uniform together with their communities to connect over a cup of joe. Hmm.
1: Interesting, Prospect yep. in twenty twenty two.
0: But no, no National Scissorine Day uh, there on the.
1: Uh, well, I was just curious.
2: They
0: didn't make the website.
1: I think they yeah. need to secure it.
2: I think they should have. Like, I'm sure that cannot cost very much money. Probably not. If Stassi Schroeder can do it, Tony Khan can do it.
0: Stassi Schroeder did it?
2: Stassi, what's her last name? Schroeder. Schroeder.
0: Yeah?
1: Yeah, she got the national outfit.
2: Were you not listening when I told my whole backstory at the beginning of my question?
0: No, I wasn't. I was (laughs) was Googling. I was trying to figure out what website would have uh, that list of of dates. Don't worry, I'll, I'll listen back to the podcast and find out.
1: It's all valuable. The point is you can just make up. A holiday, and then apparently pay somebody. But I also think you can just declare it. And
2: I, yeah, I it was unclear
1: whether she paid or just declared. Mm. I w- I would go the route of free and just declare it. I mean, <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, but I feel like she told
2: Lisa Vanderpump that she had like like made it official.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> official is um so fluid depending on. Who has to be the one to determine it's official? But whatever, I think National Scissoring Day has a better chance than like Stasi's. So we'll see.
2: No, so you can register a national day. Okay. Yeah, seems pretty simple. All right. All you have to do is go to nationaldaycalendar.com, which is where you were. True. Click register a national day. Read the instructions. (laughs) <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> write a compelling story about why your organization should be chosen and how you might celebrate that day if it does get ch- chosen hit submit Ooh. okay
1: so, Well every- tony Khan, what you doing i feel like everybody listening should do that so that there's like a consensus yeah yeah and i think how would you celebrate i think you just put a clip in Scissor.
2: Well, no, I meant of like (laughs) their salutation.
1: It's a, it's a lot of this. There's a lot of
2: scissoring motion happening at me right now. Yeah, it's it's
1: really Come
2: on. Scissor, scissor, scissor. scissor him. Oh, I
1: don't. Why are you doing that? (laughs) How they do it. She she looks so disgusted. (laughs) All right. Well. Let's hope National Scissoring Day becomes a thing, uh, if nothing else, on dynamite. <laughs> um, but for now, w- I I feel like this is a this is a sad turn. Um, but uh, we go to the Dark Order, who are talking about how um, this Friday night on Rampage is going to be a bittersweet night for them, because it's the second anniversary of uh Mr. Brody Lee's last match. So that's sad. Um, but also, it's the night that they plan to beat Death Triangle for the AEW World Trios Championships. Um,
0: what do you think, Megan? Do you think they're gonna think they're gonna let to do it on on Brody's anniversary? Or
1: I don't. That was such a heavy pressure to put on this. To be like, what a better way to honor Brody Lee than to get those championships?
0: Because I don't. I don't think Ten was gonna win his singles match against Andrade. No. So uh, you have to imagine death triangle probably not going to lose their first title defense.
1: No. And that's part of me was like, why it's like, it's, I get it. But also why would you put that level of importance on this match that you're not going to win? Maybe they will win. I don't know. But I initially, my, my first impression is like, why would, why would they win?
2: Maybe they'll win because they'll realize that friendship is more important than a title.
1: Um, does that mean they'll lose, but they'll have a happy realization and come away, ha- like, positively? Yes. Okay. That's probably the greatest hope of what happens. Because Pac um, is featured in this promo, and he says, like, fuck you guys, I'm going to win. <laughs> Duh. And so I don't think he's going to necessarily back down. Nor is he sentimental about you know death in any way. Um, so we end like like that sounds really heavy, but the whole thing ends with John Silver doing a bang on impression of Pac and threatening that the Dark Order are coming for the championships, which I thought was really funny. I, I'm not going to do an impression of John Silver doing an impression of Pac, but it was funny. I thought he he did well.
0: Yeah,
1: for sure. So. Yeah, so that's happening on Rampage. Um, After that, Tony Schiavone is talking to Madison Rain and Sky Blue backstage. Um, Madison Rain is the coach of women. And she says that she's seen endless potential in the roster since she's been at AEW. And uh, especially when it comes to Sky Blue, who's right here. Uh, Anna Jay and Ty Mello roll up super amused at the idea that Sky has potential in any way. And Anna J is like, you want, you should learn how to sports entertain if you want to do anything, idiot. And uh, <laughs> Sky Blue is like, yeah, that's fun. Um, you both are really good at sports entertaining, but maybe one day you should learn to wrestle. And it's like, whoa, sick burn. But also, Sky Blue, calm down, because I don't know, I don't know where you like how much of a higher ground you have to say that from. Um, yeah,
0: it's like. Is Sky Blue Serena Deeb all of a sudden is that what we're supposed to think? I mean, I've seen no evidence of that. And also, like, I I, I mean, she's a little dangerous, but uh, I think Ty Conti has good matches.
1: I do, too. I could do without seeing her stick her tongue down Sammy's throat, but that's unrelated to her wrestling abilities. I fully admit. Uh, but, yeah, Sky Blue makes that <laughs> that wild claim, and then that leads her to propose a match with her and Madison Rain teaming up against Ty and Anna J, And they accept. I think that's a Rampage match. Or is it next week on Dynamite? I cannot. That is a, ramp- a, rampage.
0: That is a rampage match.
1: Okay. It felt Rampagey, but I couldn't be sure. Yeah. Got a big Rampage feel. <laughs> yeah. Big Rampage vibes on that one. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's... We'll see that on Friday. Um... After that, we've got uh, Roosh versus Adam Page. Andy's a big Roosh guy. Jenny's a big Adam Page lady. I, I think. I don't know. Not anymore. That's rough. I know. That's rough. Yeah. Well, regardless, I mean, he's still. I think he's still a cool guy. Um, huh? he, he uh he hits really hard. I think Roosh also hits really hard, and so these two have um, a very physical match. Uh, MJF is watching from backstage, clutching his giant poker chip like a child. Um, but yeah, like it, it was a very physical match. And uh, ultimately, Adam Page gets the win by doing the Buckshot Lariat. But, you know, Andy's a Roosh guy. So, Andy, did did you have any Roosh moments before Adam Page defeated him?
0: No, this was like of all the Roosh matches we've seen so far, I felt like this was the most clash of styles that we've encountered. These two just didn't seem to didn't seem to gel with each other that well for some reason.
1: I guess I could see that. It was... Uh... Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, it was fine. It was a fine match. Um, but yeah, Adam Page gets the win. Afterwards, I, if you'll remember, Private Party have been told that they better show up for this because they're going to get sued if not. Um So they walk out and they start to approach the ring and sort of surround Adam. And then John Moxley... Quickly appears from the crowd. He's shaking his head, disgusted with this show of stupidity. Private Party runs to the ramp to get away from him, and then Moxley gets up in Adam's face. Looks like they're gonna kiss again. Give me this all day long. Uh, I love it. Um, but Moxley's got a bike, and he starts talking. He says he's got. He's been waiting three years to take on Adam Page. Um, he says they've beaten everyone on the roster except each other, which is, again. I think we talked about at the beginning of the show what an interesting stat because that seems impossible that they've ever crossed paths
0: now i looked it up there, it's 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 a little it's it's a mm-hmm. very slight fib okay um, <laughs> there was a tag match in the uh the, the early weeks of dynamite where hangman and kenny against john moxley and pack That hangman and kenny won And then they were also both in one of the uh, casino ladder matches.
1: Okay. I cannot remember the tag team titles or not titles, but the tag team match. But
0: I want to say that one of them, it was, it was a match where if I remember correctly, Moxley was, it was in the buildup to the Moxley versus Kenny lights out match. And (laughs) Oh, was that
2: one one had the barb bat and the barb broom?
0: Yes. And the man like Moxley kept teasing doing hardcore stuff in the tag match and Pack got like really upset with him because Pac Pack actually cared about his win loss record and didn't want to get disqualified.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Okay. I okay, yes, that it's coming back to me now.
0: Yeah, I think he might have even like cut his fingers, his fingertips up, just like taking the a barbed wire bat away from Moxley or something like that.
1: Yes, because as Jenny said, that was back when Moxley would show up with the barbed wire bat and Kenny would show up with the barbed wire broom. Yes. <laughs> and They would stare at each other. <laughs> okay. Well, a slight That's fib. have a good memory, Andy.
0: Thank
1: you. Yeah, a slight fib, but I think still counts because as you said, like one's a tag match, one's a ladder match, so you're technically against what 5 6 other people. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you don't how much time like in that tag match they even had with each other. Right. Cuz yeah. if it was a Kenny Moxley thing, they probably focused mostly on them.
1: Yeah. Oh, the halcyon days of Mega Hung. Hmm. So, okay. So even with that slight fib, whatever, uh, Moxley says, you know, in two weeks, you know, one of them will be the last man standing in this stat. And uh, he says Adam is in the way of him being the one true top guy and champion. And uh, he describes basically murdering Adam to win this match because that's very on brand for Moxley. But uh, he starts to leave and drops the mic and starts to go. Adam picks up the mic and he, like, tries to start some shit by saying you said you wanted to do this thing. Where are you going? Like, let's do this right now. (laughs) This is, like, maybe my favorite Moxley thing. He gets back in the ring. He calls him a sweet kid and tells him that, like, a lot of kids, his mouth is going to get him in trouble, and he needs to shut up. And then he's like, I'm going to give you one more chance to watch your mouth, and I'll see you in two weeks. And then he rolls out of the ring and takes off, and Adam does not he he has like this like defiant look on his face, but he does not say another word. And then they cut to backstage where MJF is just like giggling at this little interaction where he's like, ah, "Gotcha!"
0: Holding his fucking comically oversized poker chip.
1: Yes, just clutching it, just hugging Which it to his chest.
0: Seems seems goofier the more weeks we were removed from the uh, casino ladder match.
1: I think even Tony Schiavone on commentary was like, "Why are you carrying that around, idiot?" I was <laughs> like. Is it the Money in the Bank case where you have to physically present it to, f- to uh, that's get your title shot? It,
0: that's what they're making it sound like. And I really, I don't like, I, I, don't, I don't, I wish, I hope they don't do, like, I, I, that's what they've been saying. that Like, oh, he can cash that in any time. And I kind of hate that. It's like, let WWE have that thing. Like, that's, that's, you don't need to just copy them.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be the copier. You want to be the one they copy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how that mm-hmm. goes because technically MJF's the the first one to have this poker trip that has the magic to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: For now, though, he he seems content to wait. Uh, after that match, we go backstage where Tony Schiavone is talking to Willow Nightingale. He says she's on a roll, and she agrees. and she thinks that now is a great time to challenge for the TBS championship at Battle of the Belts because she's she's hot right now. Um, Jade and the baddies roll up and are both, I think, amused and just disgusted by this idea. Um, Jade says, I've already beaten you in both singles and tag team matches. So what's the point? Uh, Willow says, well, you know, you've beaten me once. Can you or beat me twice? Can you beat me a third time? That's what's important. And so she... So is our next comeback going to be, can he beat me a fourth time? I, you know, it only takes once to get that title, Jenny. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be this one. Uh, but I, I admire her confidence because she she cannot be beaten down by Jade and her baddies. And in a way, isn't that good? That's a good role model. You know, like, don't let the, the mean kids bring you down. Jenny's making an incredulous look. Um, <laughs> sure. Do we think Willow's going to win? Probably not. But hey, I admire her spirit. And I, I like that we're going to see her on TV again. So that's where she's at right now. Um, back in the ring, though, we have Fuego Del Sol <laughs> waiting to watch Luchasaurus make his entrance. This is a big old squash. It ends almost immediately. Sorry, Fuego. I guess that's what you're here for now. But as with any squash, it's the, the aftermath that counts. And uh, Christian is out with Luchasaurus and he immediately orders Luchasaurus to toss Fuego onto the ramp after he beats him. But before he can, Jungle Boy jumps up and hits Luchasaurus with a chair uh, and then traces him out of the ring and gets to the point where he gets on the mic and he, he looks directly at Luchasaurus and says, you are my best friend. And after everything we've been through together you chose Christian and that really breaks my heart. And so because you've broken my heart, I'm gonna have to break you physically. And he describes, I think like breaking his fingers and stuff. It, it gets dark. It gets dark. Um, But jungle boy is like really intense. I'm really pissed about this. So he tells Luchasaurus, you pick a time and a place and I'll be ready. Anytime you want, we'll have this fight that uh, has been a Bruin. Um, Christian, as, you know, the the owner of Luchasaurus, like, is he his pet now? I don't know. But Christian gets on the mic and he's like, yeah, well, you know, Jungle Boy, uh, Washington, D.C. is your country's capital. um, But we're not going to fight here. We're going to fight in my hometown, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, next week. That's where this is going to go down. So Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus about to settle their issues in a week
0: i was listening to um john pollock and waiting this morning doing um their uh rewinded dynamite show
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know they are they are based out of uh, toronto
1: oh and they must be excited
0: oh they're going next week yeah very mm-hmm. excited to, to possibly get to meet jay um <laughs> but uh they were it was funny it was just like you know, he said like my hometown, and then they were just immediately like, "Yeah, yeah, Orangeville, Ontario." More like, "Yeah, have a nice three and a half hour drive from home for the big match, Christian."
1: Oh my God! They were throwing Canadian shade. Yeah, that's adorable. And I think
0: I think it's what you do. You know, if it's if it's in your region, you you and and they say something like that, you say, "Ha ha, no
1: way." But like, isn't Canada's thing? Like there are huge stretches of just nothingness, and so, so don't you claim the biggest city that you're near, or, or do you embrace your like small town?
0: I mean, I think they were just, I think they were just kind of joking.
1: No, I, I definitely don't think it's mean spirited. I just think it's funny because Canada is, it's a lot of land and not necessarily a lot of populated area relative. Mm. To- I love it. I like a Canadian beef. How how often do you get that?
0: Not often. I mean, Calgary is a big cattle city.
1: Okay. (laughs) I deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) Deserve that for my word choice. Well, (laughs) you know, Christian might be from like three hours away, but hey, at least I get to see him and and he's going to be direct Luchasaurus for sure when, when he and Jungle Boy fight. So, you know, that's going to be a heartbreaking friendship determinant. But that's next week. You don't have to worry about that for now. Uh, after that, we do find out that apparently Trent is challenging Pac for the All-Atlantic Championship at Battle of the Belts on Friday, Friday, yes, after Rampage. So, uh, I didn't know that this was one of the belts that was on, was going to be on the program for Challenge, um, but yeah, I guess Trent and Pack hate each other, so.
0: I actually think, like, so this was announced Friday, last Friday, maybe. I think it might have been announced on uh, Rampage last week. Okay. Um, I'm actually really excited about this now, like, more so than I was at the time, because Pack is pulling double duty, so because he's he's defending the trio's title on Rampage. So oh. I wonder. I mean, I think you can at least get like some good near falls, good believable near falls out of Trent taking advantage of a tired Pack defending his second belt of the night. If not, like changing the title.
1: So, how precious do you think the All Linux Championship? is because pack's the only one who has held it thus far and he took it on like a European tour.
0: Yeah. It's hard to say, right? Because like you said, there's only been, we only have like the first champion so far.
1: Yeah. And Trent, should he win? Definitely is not going to like, (laughs) like pack. I think it's interesting what he's been doing with it and getting like little clips and highlights. Even though they're all happening in different promotions, but like Trent's American, he's he's not going anywhere, you know, if he wins it. Yeah. So I don't know. Weird. So what is the Battle of the Belts? Like what belts are up? I what what is the what is the sketch? or will we get to that later?
0: Battle of the Belts is um, TBS title, Cargill versus Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Um, Ring of Honor Tag team titles. Okay. FDR versus the Gates of Agony and um, Atlantic title pack versus Trent. So I think, I think right now, as of right now, there's only three matches on the show
1: and it's an hour long. So that, okay. Okay. That gives
0: you, that gives you like enough time to do three, you know, title matches of adequate length. If you want to. Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting. I hope Battle of the Belts goes better than it has been in the past. That's pretty much my takeaway.
0: I'm kind of like, like the lineup's not that great, honestly, but I'm, I'm like, I think because it's live, I'm more interested in it than I have been any of the other ones.
1: That's true. Yeah. The, the choice to go back to back with Rampage is interesting. I think it, might actually result in more views, or I don't know. It's so late, maybe less. It it's an interesting experiment, an interesting thing to try, for Tony Khan.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, we will be watching that tomorrow night. As of recording this, it'll be Friday. Um, for now, though, we go to the main event. It's Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho against Daniel Bryan. No, sorry, Bryan Danielson. <laughs> Having him and Daniel Garcia be a tag team. It's like too many Daniels. Um, So Daniel Garcia and Brian Daniel's son. Are tagging together. Um, This match was good. I think that I was not expecting the outcome. Which is to say Sammy Guevara pins Daniel Garcia. But he only does that after Chris Jericho hits Garcia in the face with his belt. Up until that point get a fairly clean match and a pretty good match.
0: Yes, it was good. Um, I don't have a ton to say about it except for poor Brian Danielson got suplexed onto like the edge of the table first (laughs) with the idea of being that he was supposed to be being suplexed onto the ring of honor world title. And then Jericho picked him up again and suplexed him through the table.
1: (laughs) Yep. And he remained there until the end of the match.
0: Yes he did. Um, <laughs> so I think that here's what I think they're doing. I think Sammy pinned to Garcia because sometime in the not too distant future, I think they're gonna do that as a pure title match and Garcia can get his win back in a title defense.
1: Okay. That would be a good that would be a good title match regardless
0: yeah and then like i know we talked last week about jericho like going through a bunch of former ring of honor world champions and stuff but and like building up to i think i think we kind of like settled on samoa joe as like the big Mm -hmm. but but maybe maybe it's Daniel garcia maybe maybe you have maybe you like really try to make a new main event star with Daniel garcia by having him be the one who takes that title from Jericho.
1: There was, if you'll remember that lingering, like when the match was over, Jericho sort of had, he was leaning against the ropes. He looked exhausted, but he also looked over at Garcia who, you know, obviously had been pinned and looked very disappointed in himself. And there was this moment where it's like, Jericho, are you going to feel sorry for him? And then Jericho went and uh, met up with the rest of the JAS who had run out at that point. So uh, Jericho, you know, he may have a heart. We don't know.
0: Well, I, I think we can say almost for certain that um Chris Jericho is not losing in Toronto and no. AEW's first show in Canada to <laughs> Brian Danielson.
1: <laughs> nope.
0: So he'll he'll at least have it uh beyond that, but uh yeah, but I think at the very least we're getting a we're gonna get a pure title match at some point soon between Guevara and uh, Garcia.
1: That'll be good. That'll be good. Yeah. Uh, there was um, a moment where Garcia and Danielson got to do the the hammer and anvil elbows together, and I thought that was sweet because you know I just feel like they're supposed to be mentee and mentor.
0: Mm-hmm. That was very sweet.
1: Uh, but yeah, it it was a good main event. It's just then, um, I I understand the ending or the pin, like the the outcome. It just is such a burn, especially because uh, I guess the crowd was on Twitter up until 7:59 that evening, um, and they really hated Sammy <laughs> before Sammy ever entered the ring. They were chanting "fuck you, Sammy," uh, which is rough. For Sammy.
0: Yeah. They. They only had access to the TMZ report at that time.
1: (laughs) Oh my. Yeah. So that was Dynamite though. Yeah. We did it.
0: I'm never. I'm almost never sad when I finish Dynamite. I, I almost always have a good time. And this was no exception.
1: Yeah. I think so. Felt very ROH heavy. As we said before.
0: Yeah, I don't like. It's not bothering me though. It seems to. It seems to be putting some people off. Like, I don't know if these are people who are actually concerned or if they're just like looking for something to complain about. But it's. It does not bother me in the slightest.
1: It doesn't bother me. It was just a. It was something I noticed. Like more so than ever, they just kept bringing up ROH during this. But you know, Jericho, his whole storyline is I'm going to destroy ROH. So right. it's, just, it's almost. Like how do you not bring it up moving forward?
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, so that's Dynamite. And I believe, Megan, that takes us to uh just the last thing that we do on this uh on this program of ours every week, which is the lead beat plug of the week. And I'm trying to think uh you went first last week. So I'll go first this week. Okay. I am going to, uh, plug the 19, uh, 31 film, the mummy
1: staying current. Gotcha. gotcha. I'm sorry.
0: Not the mummy Frankenstein. Um, I watched the mummy also, but anyway, yes. So, um, my big thing for October that I'm trying to do is to watch one horror movie every single week, um, or every single day. Sorry. Um, that's my goal. And it's, difficult during the work week, um, especially on Wednesdays when my evening is occupied by dynamite or Thursdays when my evening is occupied by recording the show. So what I've discovered is that, um, in the 1930s, when they start when universal studios started, uh, producing, uh, talky, uh, monster movies based on all the classic characters of, uh, fiction, like uh, Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Anyway, um, a lot of these movies were very short and, and uh, like, cause I guess like there really wasn't like a standard length for a motion picture yet. So, yeah. uh, so far this month I have watched, let me see. Where is
1: it's October six. So you better have six movies you've watched.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to find my diary. There we go. Okay. Um, on the first, I watched Hotel Transylvania
3: mm-hmm. and
0: Hocus Pocus 2.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Then on the second, I watched Dracula, 1931. Then on the third, I watched Frankenstein, 1931. On the fourth, I watched The Mummy, 1932. And then yesterday, the fifth, I watched The Raven, 1935. And the reason I picked The Raven is I'd never heard of it. But I saw that it had a running time of 61 minutes, and it, it was something I could fit in before <laughs> Dynamite started.
1: Is it is it a movie adaptation of Poe's The Raven? It's,
0: it has, like, <laughs> a, a sequence where uh, a woman does an interpretive dance uh, while uh, someone's sure. reciting part of the poem.
1: Sure. Okay. <laughs> and these are um, – forgive me, I'm not a cinema buff, but the 30s are – Audio like they are talking? Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> yes, I okay. believe the first the first talkie was, I believe, the jazz singer, which was like 1928 or something like that. So okay. yeah. So we're okay. we're fully into the uh the talking pictures era here. Um anyway, but so of those things I watched, um I would have to say that Frankenstein uh is the best. Uh that is a movie that actually like holds together pretty well, it tells a good story. It's like it's like an hour and twelve minutes long. It's like it gets in and gets out, but it's got it's got some good characters. It's got some good performances. It's got like some really iconic stuff. Dracula, um, I like Dracula because I like Bela Lugosi's performance, um, but the movie is just like there's not really much to it beyond that. Um, Frankenstein, there's really something going on there. It's like hard to it's hard to explain, but uh, but that is a movie that I would I would actually recommend to like people to watch in modern times.
1: I feel like it's weird that that we've not gotten like a good quality like modern Franken like modern in the sense of recently made not modern like put a modern spin on it. But Frankenstein it's like one of those monster movies where we've gotten some hokey <laughs> overly CGI maybe Frankenstein's
0: like I Frankenstein starring yep. Aaron Eckhart.
1: <laughs> yep, I love Aaron Eckhart. Don't get me wrong, but that's wild. Um but like just a good old classic but you know, modernly made Frankenstein movie. Like like why not go with that? I feel like there is there is metaphor there that could could be applied. All these monster movies really um the metaphors behind them sort of still applicable you know uh but frankenstein somehow left off the the list of like we got werewolves we got vampires no frankensteins
0: well you know this is another consequence of the failure of the dark universe to uh to come together i i who was they'd cast somebody to play dr frankenstein um i I don't even remember who anymore but i'm trying uh,
1: to picture that um, that picture
0: <laughs> that that obviously cast, photoshopped.
1: Yeah, the cast. Like, picture. None of
0: these people were in the same
1: room. Picture. Yes, exactly. I <laughs> you know Javier Bardem was like, uh, was he Doctor? No, no, he was a Wolfman, right? Ugh, I don't know. There's a lot of star power in that freaking picture that they had to photoshop together. But I'm upset because you know what, The Mummy was. It was like a fine movie. It, it was fine. Uh, it just.
0: You know, the further we get away from that movie and the more I don't rewatch it, it's like it keeps becoming fonder in my memory. And, and that's uh, yep. there, there, it's, there's going to come a day where I'm just like, like the the fa- the failure to capitalize on the dark universe is like the worst tragedy in cinema history.
1: Honestly, like <laughs> give me that Russell Crowe, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thought he was great. Uh the mummy was fine. The Mummy 1998, brilliant, best movie ever. The Mummy 2000 whatever it was, it was fine. Tom Cruise's The Mummy, it was fine.
0: So it looks like James Wan was mate was gonna was kind of tapped to to do the Frankenstein movie. This this article does not say who was gonna play the doctor. But anyway, so yeah. Um but there was, you know, like, there was uh, that uh, that Victor Frankenstein movie a few years back with uh, McAvoy as Victor Frankenstein and uh, Daniel Radcliffe as Igor. And I don't even know if there was, like, I don't even know if that was, like, the monster was in that movie. Like, I think that might have been, like, like not... I think it might have been, like, f- like set when they were younger or something. But
1: I wanted to watch that movie purely based on casting.
0: Didn't sure, watch yeah. it,
1: but, like, yeah.
0: No, I am a bit of an apologist for, um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the 1994 Kenneth Branagh film where Robert De Niro plays the monster.
1: I have not seen it weird. Really? Yeah. Robert De Niro, notably short.
0: Um, I guess he's probably wearing lifts, you know? Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, oh, that's interesting though.
0: That's another one of those Branagh like stars and directs, uh, like deals that he likes to do so
1: he's the doctor uh, i'm assuming yes
0: yes okay. yeah and uh, helena bomb carter is oh,
1: uh, is in it perfect
0: um yeah ian holm john cleese aiden quinn so it's quite a it's quite a cast of uh, hugh bonneville well um very young hugh bonneville i guess would have to be
1: i like an aiden quinn he's got beautiful eyes you
0: yeah, haven't seen him in a long time but anyway i would i you know like like I said I'm an apologist for that movie it's not well liked and it's maybe not that great but um but I, I would I would I would watch that it kind of came in like the the wake of uh Bram Stoker's Dracula
1: that wow okay cuz that movie is fucking something you know
0: <laughs> I think that movie's so good it's so stylish
1: yeah it's just the first time I saw it was like literally like two years ago. Yeah. And I feel like that colors my my interpretation of it, which is to say like I enjoyed it, but I was like, what the fuck? Hey. Yeah.
0: like I, I think Gary Oldman's performance is so good in that movie. Um, I, I, I also do think that, and you know, this is popular opinion, that uh, Keanu Reeves' accent is a, is a complete catastrophe.
1: Oh, uh. yeah. Don't. <laughs> i love keanu reeves love love, yeah. love him but he's great don't, yeah. don't toss him an accent like man like uh w- the the shakespeare movie he is he was in uh a kenneth Branagh joint yeah. um he had to do a british accent it it was
0: rough which one was that was that as you like it No, no um
1: it was oh. uh taming of the shrew right
0: no or- no oh god which one was that because like it tends to washington's in it right yep. and uh
1: it was um, an interesting cast.
0: And it's not Midsummer Night's Dream because that was like later that they, they, they did that with Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Oh, it's going to bug me. I'm going to have to look it up.
1: All right. But I enjoyed that. But yeah, poor Keanu. Like, don't make him British. Just make an excuse for him to be a, an American. Just let Much him Much ado run. about nothing. Yes.
0: Much ado about nothing.
1: Yes. yes, yes. All right. Yeah. I really like that movie, but poor Keanu.
0: Well, good for us. We went, we went, uh, we, we went all the way from one uh, Brana starring and directing to another Brana starring and directing. <laughs> Hell yeah! Okay, so anyway, yeah. Long story short, very long story short, and I apologize. Uh, my recommendation for this week is, in fact, uh, Frankenstein, uh, James Whale, nineteen
1: thirty-one.
0: Wow! Yeah. and you can find, you can watch it on Peacock. Oh, you can. Yes. Uh, well, you know, Peacock is owned by NBC Universal. So they have pretty much the entire library of classic universal monster movies.
1: Okay. Because I know that you also own a box set of like I do all of the classic monster movies. So I wasn't, I I'm surprised to hear that these classics are technically available to stream.
0: Yes. Um, Peacocks actually got a really good setup for Halloween this year. They have, um, they have a big Halloween section, just kind of like Hulu always has their Huluween section. Yeah. Um, and they have a whole thing where they have all the movies that they have uh licenses to right now broken out by decades. So you can go from the thirties to the tens. Wow. Yeah. It's super cool.
1: Okay. So inter. Okay. I should look into that. That's, that's could,
0: really yeah, interesting. You could, you could really get into some, like some, some gentle horror from, <laughs> from back in the day.
1: I'm trying to get better at it Mm -hmm. um i have curated i think like some like so if i was doing the halloween movie challenge um, i would have like some very like like comedy horror movies i think like Mm -hmm. i think i have enough to fill the 31 days but they definitely wouldn't be like super super scary because i'm a big old wuss um but you know we started watching some scary movies and i i listened to too scary didn't watch the podcast which i still continuously recommend um but yeah there's a there's a threshold for me i'm I'm still a bit of a wimp but 30s horror movies i think i could definitely do
0: i think you could do um (laughs) so what uh megan so what is your uh what is your plug this week
1: Ugh, I'm the worst I have a puppy I have not engaged pop culture
0: do you want to plug your puppies or d- did she do anything especially cute in the last week
1: she is she has boundless energy I want to say that <laughs> I don't know that that's cute it is exhausting um, but we're going to go to puppy class we're in puppy class so that's mm-hmm. cute um, and uh and she's smart, and I'm trying to teach her manners because she's going to be a big one. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time with a puppy, so I don't have, like, a modern thing to recommend. I guess uh, most recently I was reminded how much I love Jurassic Park, the original. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I won't ever not plug Jurassic Park. Go watch it. Yeah. That's that's what I'll go. It's not modern, but it is more modern than your your 1930s movie. Um,
3: uh, horror yes, film.
1: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of Halloween stuff. I, I'm excited for it to be October. I'm expe- excited for the spooky season. Um,
0: we watched Jurassic Park on uh, May 7th. This year.
1: Okay. Yes. So
0: that's, I believe, I believe that was my plug of the week, the week that we watched it. Oh
1: shit. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm doing it again. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you want a reminder, another, a plug that I've already done, but that I still feel strongly about is, uh, if you're looking for spooky stuff, the podcast, you can see me in the dark is, um, it's just bite-sized chunks of people telling, telling their scary ghost stories. And, uh, Can I recommend you don't fall asleep to them because I've done that and (laughs) stupid, stupid decision because I scared myself. So
3: sure. Yeah. Uh, but,
1: but it is fun. I'm trying to do more spooky stuff this, this Halloween, this October.
0: Similarly, if you are, uh, if you are a Redditor, I would recommend not scrolling in the, uh, Uh, slash no sleep (laughs) subreddit.
1: I've heard tell and I'm scared to go there,
0: (laughs) but it's fun during the day.
1: Oh my God. I am looking for, um, I'm looking for stuff to like ease me into Halloween. Like I, I want to learn to, to like handle the spooky stuff, but you know, it's baby steps. So I want to celebrate the spooky season I just, um, I'm just a wuss, so I'm trying to regulate that, so maybe I'll have a better recommendation next week if I figure out, like, what level I can handle.
0: Yeah, they actually have, like, a like a little thing on that on Peacock as well, it's like, it's like, do you want a little scary, medium scary, or a lot scary?
1: Okay, I'll have to check that out, because yeah. I like that, like, can I pick my poison for the evening? Sometimes, sometimes I get in a weird, I get like a wild hair and I'm like, let's go really scary. And then that's a stupid move because once I'm in it, then I'm like, this was a terrible decision. But,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Temp Fate. We'll, we'll see. I am going to watch Fright Night. Oh, I, I can plug that. Fright Night, the remake. Um, One of my big fun, I would watch that for Halloween all the time. Vampires. Fun. Colin Farrell, hot. Anthony <laughs> Elton. My heart breaks. Um,
0: That's one of those um, movies where it's one of those rare movies where people actually are like, you know what?
1: This one's better than the
0: better than the original. I believe I'm it. Not, I'm not one of those people, but uh, I like it uh, quite a bit.
1: I've not seen the original, so no. I don't know if I am one of those people. So much as like, I like this movie. But Tony Tony Collette, man, a treasure. Like. It, a horror,
0: a, a horror icon.
1: Yeah, I still have not worked myself up to hereditary level, but you know.
0: And you haven't seen the Sixth Sense, right? So,
1: I have not. I am a, uh, I am a monster. I know the twist, obviously, but I have not watched because I hear still it's,
0: still worth seeing.
1: I hear there are some gory parts. Not really. No. No. Okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch the Sixth Sense.
0: I mean, I think it's. I believe it's a PG thirteen movie.
1: Like a '90s PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little looser than today's PG-13. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Well, anyway, um, we're 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 pretty loose here at the end of the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us on up. Um, but uh, we will be back uh, next week uh, for uh, Megan and for Jenny. I'm Andy, and you've been listening to the Elite Beat. E
1: Elite Beat Elite Beat.